0: know, last week I started this sermon. I already knew it was going to be two sermons, but I had to start it anyway. Um, but it was called struggling in prayer, struggling to pray. Um, and it comes from real life because sometimes prayer is a struggle. It doesn't just always flow beautifully from our spirit to, to God. Sometimes there's things in the way. Sometimes it's our perception of God that gets in the way. So last week, uh, we talked a little bit about we have to begin to understand who we're praying to. And and Jesus did a great job in the the Sermon on the Mount. He helped to straighten out some of the things that had been crooked in the understanding of the Jewish people around their relationship with God. He was fixing things. Jesus is the fixer. He's the one who comes in and, and it makes a way for us. So he helped us to see that God is our father. We looked at the beginning words of the Lord's Prayer where it says, our father who is in heaven. And we realized that God's a father who knows what we need. He understands everything. He knows everything. And so he's a father who knows what we need. That's the first slide we got here today, Tom. It's like to remind us, let's just do a little reminder. Um, That's one of the points we talked about last week. He's not surprised by your needs. He's not surprised by your diagnosis. He's not surprised by the financial things that you're struggling with. He knows already, but he wants us to pray. He wants us to bring those needs to him because he's not just any father. He's our father in heaven. So the reason why we have to realize who we're talking to is because he's the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God of the universe. We're not just talking to, you know, Joe Schmo or any old dad. We're talking to our father in heaven. And we have this relationship with him because of Jesus Christ. Jesus has allowed us to become children of God through his grace and through his forgiveness. So we're to approach God in prayer as a loving father who delights in giving good gifts to his children. And remember, I talked a little bit about the fathers we've had on earth or the fathers that we are on earth are not perfect, but this God in heaven, this father in heaven is perfect and he is all good and all loving. In fact, the, the, the scripture says that God is love. So when we approach him, we don't have to approach in fear anymore because of Christ. We come with Christ or through Christ into a beautiful relationship with a loving father. And if we don't understand that, then our prayers, they're off. They're not quite right because we're either fearful or we're we're confused. And Jesus has come and beautifully laid out for us an understanding of who we're praying to. So if you turn in your Bibles, if you want to use the Pew Bible there, it's page uh, 859. But turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 6 because that's where we were last week. We want to pick up there and continue on. This morning, you see how we see God, your perception of God affects how you pray. But this morning, part two is how you see yourself also affects how you pray. Get it? So it's two different, two different views here. How you see God, what you believe about God, our father in heaven His great love for us, shown to us clearly through Jesus Christ, is very key. But also how you see yourself makes a big difference in how you pray. So let's look at that this morning. How do you see yourself when you approach God? I remember a conversation I had one time with God on the couch in my living room. I was going through this time and I said, you know, God... I want to spend time with you, but I'm really not sure why you ever want to spend any time with me. I was feeling uh, just yuck about myself. And so it was affecting, I knew he was loving. I knew he was kind. I knew he was generous. I know all these things that scripture makes clear to us about his character, but it was me that was the problem. I was like, ah, I wouldn't want to be with me. I can't get far enough away from me. You know, Just because of where I was at at that moment, my perception of me was affecting my ability to really relate to him. He straightened me out, and he's continuing to straighten me out. And that's the good thing about his grace. But that's what I'm talking about this morning. So I want you to understand that when when children, which is see ourselves as God's children, because that is who we are. Through Christ, you are a child of God, a son and daughter of the living God. And if we just think about children for a moment, children come without pretense. You've got to know this. If you're around any kids, if you want to see the preschoolers, you know, they, they, don't, they don't care much about what they're wearing. They don't care if their hair's is all, all over the place. They don't care if they've got jelly on their cheek, you know, whatever. When they're really young, they have no pretense. They're not pretending. That's where the word pretend comes from, this word pretense. They're not pretending when they're with us. They're really just, that's what they are. So sometimes they say things they shouldn't say because they haven't learned yet that that's not polite, you know. I remember one time going into a donut shop and there was a large, large man coming out of the donut shop. And my little son looked up at that man's large belly because he was about this big and the belly was about this big. And he said, Dad, he's fat! As loud as you can. So he had no pretense. He wasn't going to pretend that the man wasn't fat. He barely fit through the door. So it was one of these situations where that's what children do, right? They're honest. And that's what God wants from us. He wants us to be honest with him. He doesn't want you to come to him with like a mask on, just pretending. He knows the real you. He knows this is what you look like when you wake up in the morning. And he loves you anyway. The beauty of his love. And he's not concerned about that or those things. He loves you anyway. So you don't have to pretend. Don't try to be something that you're not when you're with God. We play church sometimes. We're a different person at church than we are at home sometimes. And you know what? If you have kids, they will see right through that. You better be the same dad at church as you are at home. You better be the same mom at church as you are at home because if not, they're gonna point it out. They're gonna point it out. Again, I'm telling stories of myself, but there was a time when my oldest was young. I was putting him to bed and I don't know, I was upset about something. But it was bedtime and so I was like, get in your bed, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, dad, be nice, you're a pastor. And I was like, come on, don't pull that card on me, you know. But but we we need to be the same. We need to be consistent. So when you come to God in prayer, don't pretend you're something like angel, like, oh, here I am, God. Perfect little me. He sees right through that. He knows where you're struggling. So don't try to hide it or think that you can hide it. He sees straight to your heart. He knows everything about you because he created you and he loves you and he created you for his glory to be in relationship with you so we need to be careful because sometimes we we start to think uh uh, similar to to when we um we we first became Christians when you first become a Christian sometimes there's this this idea that like I got to be perfect now and I'll just pretend until it actually becomes real but That's not how we need to approach God. We need to come to God as real. This is me. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Here I am. Thank you for loving me. See, it brings us to a place of gratitude, right? Because we we realize when we are honest about the real us, we realize that there's a lot of things that don't quite make the grade with God. But he loves us anyway. He's working on us. He's working in us. He's working through us. And his desire is to continue to make us more like Christ. So that's the first point. Just come as you are. Just like we say, when when we have like an invitation to come to the altar, it's like, come as you are, come to Jesus just as you are. He loves you. Well, keep that attitude. That was the attitude when you were saved. Keep that attitude when you pray, come as you are. Bring yourself into his presence as you pray and be honest with him. The struggles that you're having are the struggles he wants to work with you on. So let him in and don't pretend they don't exist because they do for all of us. Another thing that happens with children is that when they are healthy and when their relationship is what it should be with their parents, they approach their parents without hesitation. Like they got no boundaries, right? They're just going to run right in and jump on you. They're just going to run right in and interrupt what you're doing. And like, daddy, 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 daddy. You know, you're on the very important business call or whatever. Daddy, 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 daddy. You know, Because they don't have a hesitation. They, they know your love for them. And they know that you're there for them. And so they don't hesitate. Now, unhealthy children, children in a dysfunctional family will have fear in their parents' presence because there's something not, not right there. But again, if we go back to who are we praying to, what kind of God is this that we worship, our hesitancy should go. He's not mad at you anymore. His wrath was satisfied on the cross with Jesus Christ. We are no longer his enemies. We're now his dearly loved children. So when we approach God, We need to remember that about ourselves or we'll approach him in the wrong way not not really interacting with who he really is versus who we really are you know children approach so they're just so innocent that we 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 love it right but we lose that innocence as we grow older they'll ask for anything that comes to their mind if they hear about a new toy they don't hesitate to ask for that new toy If they want ice cream, they don't hesitate to ask for ice cream, even if it's breakfast time, right? If they see a pony, they'll ask for a pony. You know, kids will ask for anything. And you know, as we read these words from Jesus, it's almost like that's what he's saying to us. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. And we start to think in our rational minds like, well, okay, but within reason, you know. Let's let's not ask God for too much. Why not? He's a big God. He knows how to answer your prayer. He may not give you what you're asking for. He might give you something much better than what you're asking for. Or he knows the timing isn't right. And so he'll he'll say, just wait. Be patient. I'm working on that. Be patient and you'll see the fulfillment of that desire in your heart. So let's not... Be afraid when we enter God's presence in prayer. Let's not hold back. Let's not be hesitant thinking, well, he probably doesn't care about that. He does care. He cares for you. So the thing is that God actually enjoys being asked. I'm going to say that again. God enjoys being asked because it builds our relationship with him. The asking is talking, right? You have, to, you have to talk to God in order to ask him or request anything or to seek anything from him. You have to be sort of focused in on him. He loves that because he wants to be our focus. He wants to be our everything. And when we don't approach him, when we're hesitant to approach him, when we think he is maybe too busy with the universe to really care about little old me, we miss out on a lot, We miss out on his presence. We miss out on his love. And so he desires to be asked. Sometimes we end up giving children what they want because they just keep asking, right? Like we read last week in the gospel of Luke, the widow who wanted justice and she kept asking and asking. And it says that that bad old judge finally gave her what she needed because she just wouldn't stop. Now, that's the words of Jesus. So Jesus, who is God, who wants us to know God, who came to reveal God, reveals that to us. Keep asking. Don't give up. Keep asking. God loves us and desires to bring us into a deeper relationship with him so that eventually the things we're asking for are really lining up with the things in his will for us. Because honestly, there are some things we ask for which are not God's will. He just, he, he just will not. He cannot, you know. God, help me, help me rob this bank. Like, yeah, he's probably going to say no, right? So, so there are certain things that our own, our own confusion, our own, you know, not being clear about his word or about our relationship with him and what he wants. Sometimes we're going to ask and we're going to be off, off the map, right? It just doesn't exist. I had a woman one time, God bless her. She came and asked me to pray that her boyfriend from Indonesia could come and live with her. And I said, wait, aren't you married? Yes. I said, don't you still live with your husband? Well, yes, 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 yes. I said, well, then I'm not praying that your boyfriend from Indonesia can come live with you. Won't your husband be upset by that? You know, so we can be way off sometimes right? We got to be honest. We need God's word to guide us and to train us how to think. It it, it actually says in scripture that we have the mind of Christ. In other words, the things of God are available to us. He's made them available through his word and by his spirit and he's training us. He's renewing our mind because we're going to want some things that are not God's will, that are not good for us. And God wants us to desire the things that he wants to pour out on us and bless us with because they are good for us. So prayer is is the open admission that without God, we can do nothing. In other words, I think God created prayer so that we would need him and that we would come to him. Because on our own, we're not that good. We can't do much. In fact, scripture says you can do nothing without God. So prayer builds this relationship of dependence on God. Because when we're independent from God, we often end up in sin. Let me repeat that. When we are independent from God, when we're doing it our own way, we often end up in sin. He's given us direction, he's given us clarity, or he's willing to give us more, but when we go and we look elsewhere, it leads us in the wrong direction, and the wages of sin are death, it's it's just not good, Life comes from God, and seeking after God, and desiring God's heart. So he developed this relationship called prayer and Jesus modeled it perfectly for us. And Jesus taught about it, that that we are dependent on our father for everything. We don't need to worry about those things. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things that other people worry about, they'll come into place. God will work it out. That's a huge promise, but it's a promise from God himself. If we seek Him, if we desire to be in His presence, if we desire to know His will, if we desire to, to bend our will and make it submissive to His, if we're willing to admit that I can't do this, God, I need your help, that's music to God's ears. He created us. We're creatures who need our Creator, we need Him. We need his resources, we need his love, we need his grace, we need his patience, we need his kindness, we need so much from him. And when we think we don't, we're in trouble. And sadly, church, sometimes I worry about us because I don't know that we're praying enough. And that's not a guilt trip, but I want you to admit how much you need God by spending time in prayer. Because as you spend time in prayer and you build that relationship, God will bless you. He'll make you stronger. He'll show you his will. He'll use you in ways that you could never imagine. Because with God, so without God, we can do nothing. But with God, what does the scripture say? Nothing's impossible, right? So it's, it's this whole different economy when we connect with God in prayer and when we receive from him his will, his guidance, his resources to do the things that only he could do. And we want to live at that level, but I'm not sure we are. So that's why I'm preaching this message to us this morning. Here's the thing. Let's think about this idea that, again, Christ made it clear that we are children. We are God's children, and we're to come to him, and we're to come to him without hesitation. We're to come to him without pretending, just be honest. But children are kind of of self-centered when they're little. They haven't learned to think outside of their own little needs, right? I want candy, you know, I'm hungry, I'm tired, you know, I'm wet, you know. Like, they, they just they don't think outside of their own little circle when they're little. But God's children shouldn't be staying little forever. They're supposed to grow up, they're supposed to mature. In fact, parents hope that our children desire a relationship with us that's more than just what we can give them. Right? That kind of feels yucky. As a parent, if all your kids do is like, you know what, Dad? I need a new car. I need this. I need money for clothes. I, you know, can you can you give me some money for you know for Chuck E. Cheese? You know, can can you just and they just gimme 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 gimme. After a while, as a parent, you're like, you know. What am I, like a piggy bank? You know, like, I don't understand. You know, they don't spend any other time with you. They don't enjoy your presence. They just want your stuff. That's not what God wants. That's not the kind of deep relationship he wants with us. Yes, he wants us to ask, but he also wants us to mature. He wants us to grow because the best thing that God can give us is himself. See, God gave us himself, a relationship with the God of the universe. It's mind-blowing, really, that he would want to have a relationship with us. He desires to have a relationship with us. He delights in that relationship with us. So the best thing that he offers us is himself. It's not a new car. It's not a bigger house. It's, not a, it's him being with him, knowing that the God of the universe is with you and loves you and is, is working in your life and is helping you with the everyday task of living this life, with the ups and downs, with the, with the good and the bad. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He gave us himself. So our primary motive in our prayers isn't merely to get things from God, but to get God, to get more of God, if that's possible, if that's good English, Right? Our primary goal in spending time with God in prayer isn't to get our checklist checked off and to get everything we want, but eventually to just desire more of God. Some of you understand that and some of you don't. And it's, it's where you're at in maturity. Maturity is not an easy thing. It's not easy to grow up. We'd all like to be babies some days. There's certain days we just want to stay in bed and have somebody like feed us and change us. and you know, But... God wants more than that for us. He has a purpose for us. God is his own reward. That's the good thing. He's his own reward. If we will seek him, if we will ask, if we will stay in his presence, if we will continue to knock and not give up, he will reward us with himself. And I know that's kind of here and I want it to be here, you know? So, So let that sink in a little bit. He is our reward because of who he is and all that he is. To have him is to have everything you ever dreamed of. Everything. See, the world tries to tell us it's all about like stuff. It's all about like, you know, this new thing and that new thing and you got to have this and you got to have that. That's just the world trying to distract you from what's really important. What's really important is your relationship with your creator, our Father God. So prayer should be a natural expression of our heart that longs for God, that just wants to be with Him, not trying to get stuff from Him anymore. But that's, that's a mature attitude towards prayer. That's, a, that's an attitude that's been developed and, and shaped by scripture and shaped by time with God. So that pretty soon your prayer isn't like, oh, I gotta, you know, I gotta ask him this, I gotta get that, I gotta get this. It's just I get to be with God for an hour, or for a day, or for this walk that I'm on, or for this time in the car. I get to be with God. And so prayer should develop us as we mature into people who long to be with God. He is with us, but to really understand that and to let that work its way through. So how do we get there? How do we get to desire God more than anything else? Well, I already alluded to it. We've got to grow up and the church is a place to grow up. If you come to church It's because you're trying to learn, you're trying to change, you're trying to understand God better. You know you need a community around you who can support you for good times and bad times and can help you to grow. See, God's desire is that we would be like Christ. That's huge. That seems too big. But he wants to change us little by little and form in us the image of God, the character of God. The desires that God has. And that's the mission of the church is that we help one another be like Christ. We, we help spiritual children grow. So if you're just a baby in the Lord, which I met one this morning who just became a Christian this week, but if you're just a baby in the Lord, you're in the right place because you're going to grow here. You're going to mature. You're going to become more like Christ from the teachings that go on here, from the fellowship that takes place and from the different things we're going to talk about in a minute. So unfortunately, the characteristic of of children is that they're very self-centered and unless a a spiritual child develops an an intimate relationship with God and with others and with their purpose in life, they will sadly stay self-centered. In order to grow out of spiritual infancy, into childhood and then into adolescence and then into young adulthood and then into adulthood and then into old age in order to grow we need community we really do we need each other because you know what if i'm left to myself and i stay in my own little world i can i can just stay rotten you know but if I'm with brothers and sisters in Christ and, and, I, and I see the example that they're giving and I see like what the word of God says about my rotten attitude and if I eventually allow the Holy Spirit to, to begin that change process and let them pray for me and let them help me, change will come, maturity will come. So we wanna move from being spiritual babies And begin the maturity process together. And some of you have been in the Lord a long time, just like me. We're still children and babies in some areas. But we have learned some things by the Spirit, by the community of faith that we're part of. And we are meant to share those things with one another, not just keep them to ourselves, like hiding the light under a bushel. We don't we don't do that. We're supposed to share that with others. And in order to do that, we have to be together. And on Sunday, you come and you sit in these nice rows and you face the front. And some of you are together, but some of you are alone. And what we want to continue to encourage is life together. Because that's how we grow. That's how we grow best, right? You can go home and you can read books and you can pray, you know, individual prayers and that type of thing. But, but we grow best in community. I think that's why God created the church is because it helps us to grow, So spiritual children need three things. You know, Primarily, they need to know, obviously, they need to connect with their Heavenly Father. If they haven't connected with Him through Jesus Christ, then they're not born again yet. They can't actually begin the growth process because they haven't been born into the family. So they have to connect with the Father. We talked about that last week. We talk about it most weeks through Jesus Christ. The second thing they need to do in order to mature is to connect with their spiritual family you haven't done that yet we encourage that this fall there'll be new bible studies there'll be new new groups that are starting take the initiative place that as a priority and begin to grow so that you are connecting with your spiritual family because Sundays is like a big family reunion right where everybody comes on Sunday it's like a big extended family but a small group or a life group which we're going to start to use that phrase a life group is, is like your nuclear family because you know each other on a deeper level so on Sunday morning some of you don't even know each other's names I don't even know some of your names right because it's, it's much more you know distant it's, it's a good thing and we come together and we celebrate But but we're not getting maybe into the deeper walk that we need to walk the deeper maturity that we need to mature in because we're we're sort of like, hi there, okay, have a good week, bye there, you know, see you next week. We're not connected in the sense that we are really family. We're carrying each other's burdens, We're praying for each other, we're fighting for each other, not with each other, but for each other in the Lord. So we need to connect with that spiritual family. And that helps us, lastly, to connect with our purpose, because life isn't just about me. Not just about me being happy. As much as, you know, America would like to tell you, it's all about being happy. Just be happy. Whatever you want whatever makes you happy. That's all just a lie. We know that. Scripture not only in God. But our purpose when spiritual children begin to mature and they connect with their spiritual family, they begin to, something's happening and he, he wants to use me in this plan. I want to understand what my gifts are, my, my abilities and my calling. And then I want to be about my purpose and nothing else is so fulfilling as being about the purposes of God. Following God's plan for our lives. So when we begin to see that there are spiritual needs outside of my own spiritual needs and that God may use me and my gifting to meet some of those needs and to help someone else and that continues to to help the body of Christ to grow. We're connecting with our purpose. So I've used the phrase spiritual maturity a few times now in the past few minutes but I want to just define it before we go here this morning. Spiritual maturity, what is it? Spiritual maturity is being like Christ. Being like Christ. And sometimes... Just hearing that makes us give up. Say, oh, I'll never be that good. I'll never be that perfect. I'll never be that loving. You know, you don't know me. That's impossible. What did I say earlier? Nothing is impossible with God. But on your own, yes, that is impossible. So get the right mind. Think of that with the mind of Christ You are a child of God. And so the characteristics of God are actually already implanted within you. The Holy Spirit has given you the characteristics of God. You have his love. You have his grace. It's within you because the spirit is within you. Now it's finding ways for it to come out of you, which is a process of spiritual maturity. Ephesians 4.13. I want to just turn there quickly before we pray together. In Ephesians 4, starting at verse 13, I want you to to hear this. I might start a little bit earlier, maybe in, in, in verse 7, Ephesians 4. Now grace was given to each of us, each one of us, according to the Holy Spirit living in you. If you've received him as your Savior, he's made you born again of the Spirit. So the Spirit now is within you. So this grace, because you didn't earn that, is the measure of, God's, of Christ's gift for you. And then I want you to see, you know, it says he ascended on high, he took captives, captive, and then he gave gifts to people. That's, a, that, that's the earth. So this is about Christ being Christ, being God himself. The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all heaven to fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son. And here's the words, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. That's what that passage says. Growing into maturity. This is God's desire. Then we'll no longer be like little children, it says, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ from him the whole body fitted together and knitted together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part now there's about nine sermons in that one passage but i wanted to introduce you you have your association with other christians You have the ability to grow up into Christ, into spiritual maturity. That is God's desire for us. So here's a few things I want us to to understand. I'm just gonna go through those seven things at the end there, Tom. There's seven things that God has provided for us that will help us to grow and mature in Christ. And you can take a picture of this with your phone or you can write it down real quickly if you want to, because I just wanna quickly do this. He's given us, in order to to grow, he's given us prayer, which we've been talking about last week and this week. We have a relationship with him and that helps us to grow. He's also, in order to grow, he's given us his, his word, the Bible. Use it, read it, meditate on it. Like I just showed you, Ephesians 4. Take that apart, sit before it, read it, understand it. He's also given us Good spiritual fest. get clean, wash it away, and keep going. Don't let sin get you down. In the fullness of that grace, applying the forgiveness and the grace of the blood of Jesus to the areas where we're still failing because we're still babies. Sometimes we trip, sometimes we fall, but we need to confess our sins and let him take those away. In order for us to grow, we also need a caring family. Think about this. Years and years ago, I, I traveled to Romania just after the fall of the dictator there. And they had, had, they had warehoused all these children. And when I, when I say warehouse, I mean warehoused. They took babies and just like put them on shelves. They, they were having... It's a whole long story. But basically, these children had no personal care. They only had... Some food a couple times a day and change a couple times a day, and then because the nurses and everybody were so overwhelmed, they couldn't give them personal care. Two year old was like a seven year old. You know, they just their bodies didn't grow, their minds didn't grow. And there was a whole ministry to reach out and to try to try to restore these people to life, these kids to life. They were stunted because they were not in a healthy family, a family that would love them family that would feed them, a family that would play with them. Those are the things we need. We need to love one another and play with one another and feed one another and be part of a healthy Christian family so that we can grow in our faith. You cannot be a Christian in isolation. And we need to hear that because we're in this post-pandemic time. There was a lot of isolation that we were forced into. But you cannot grow in your faith in isolation. You need brothers and sisters. They annoy you. I know but you need them because they're working on your patience and they're working on your kindness and they're working on your forgiveness. Right. And you're growing as you're going through those growing pains, you're growing. The next slide. and, and, And then we'll put up the last one there, but in order to grow, we need regular exercise. You need to serve. You need to do things for someone other than yourself because a baby only, only thinks of self, but as you mature, you begin to think of others. You also, in order to grow, in order to, to continue to mature, you need protection. You need to understand the spiritual dynamic of warfare, spiritual warfare. And I know it sounds scary and whatever, but God's given us everything we need for it. Ephesians 6 talks about the armor of God. You need to put that on so that you can grow otherwise you're walking around wounded all the time you got hit in the head with this you got slashed in the leg with that you know like it's not good you've got the armor of God you need to put it on and learn how to walk in the in the victory that Jesus has given us and lastly this is always the last thing no pastor likes to talk about it but you need to give you need to give to the Lord and to the ministry of the Lord You need to invest some of your resources, whether it's your time or your treasure or your talents, you need to give those things to the kingdom of God so that the work of the kingdom can continue to expand on the earth. Otherwise, it shrivels down to nothing and we need to be faithful in giving. So let's put up that last slide and here's what I want you to do as we take a moment to pray. I want you to think about your life. Are these seven things, this is not an exhaustive list, but it's enough for one morning. Are these things a part of your life? Because if they're not, you may be stagnated in your growth. You may not be growing. And you might grow in some areas, but other areas you're, you're really still a baby. We want to together all grow up into Christ to the full stature of what he wants for us. As individuals, but also as a church, as Holden Chapel in order to do that, we need people who are encouraging one another in these areas of our lives, encouraging you to pray, encouraging you to study the word, helping you to fellowship and truly love one another. All of these things are part of being a healthy Christian and a healthy Christian community. Let's pray and ask God by his spirit, even if he just highlights one area, to really take that to him in prayer and say, God, that's not a part of my life. I I let it go or at one time it was and I don't do that anymore. And he can renew you today. He can renew you in this moment with a passion for that, a passion for prayer or a passion for fellowship or a passion for service. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for Jesus who came to teach us who you are, to help us to see you more clearly because we get confused very easily. Thank you for your word and your spirit and the fellowship of your brothers and sisters that we have because of you. Help us to grow and love Jesus so much that we love one another, so much that the world sees that love and sees Jesus and is drawn to him so that he's glorified forever and ever because of our lives here on earth. Work by your spirit now, even as we sing this song. Work in us that we may grow and mature in this new season of life that you've called us to. In Christ we pray. Amen.